It's official. One Shining Podcast is back, and I am your host, Tate Frazier. And as March Madness begins, we're covering everything from Selection Sunday all the way to the championship and beyond. We're going to have great guests that are coming through on the show. And look, if you're a friend of the program and you're already subscribed, you don't have to do anything. OSP is back. It's going to be right back in your feed. And if you're not a friend of the program and this is your first time on the rodeo, then let me tell you this. You need to go to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and smash subscribe today because the OSP show is back. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help. Dot com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hey, jam-packed Friday edition. Happy St. Patty's edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. John Jastrzemski. And the dust has settled, and not in a good way, right out of the gate. No, I'm not talking about Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not talking about the trade that we're waiting to go down with the Green Bay Packers and the New York Jets and It's a formality at this point. Roger's going to be a Jet. I think we can all relax when it comes to that. But the news that came down late in our show last night is now official. And it is not good news if you're a fan of the New York Mets regarding Edwin Diaz. Patel attendant, done for the year. It's a devastating blow for the Mets bullpen. Can the Mets survive without Diaz? Sure. After all, the Yankees in 2012 survived without Mariano Rivera. Blew out his knee in Kansas City. Rafael Soriano came out of nowhere to go and save 40 games. This does not mean that the Mets season, by any means, is over. Let's just state that. Let's acknowledge that right out of the gate. 
What it does mean, though, is that your bullpen, which looked much improved, now takes a hit because Robertson is now your closer. Can he close games? Yes, we've seen that. Rarely. Other guys that now are going to have to step up, the Drew Smiths of the world, the Curtises of the world. Yeah, the Mets are going to have to dig deep within that bullpen. It also hurts from a standpoint of, hey, guess what? Now, your great strength in the ninth inning was significantly better than what the Dodgers or the Braves or the Phillies were running out there because of what Diaz turned into last year, where he was the best relief pitcher in baseball. And it took on more than that because you had the trumpets. It was this grand entrance. It was, listen, a vibe. I know Seinfeld hated that they brought the guys out at the end of the year and said it changed the uh, entire juju of the season. Maybe it did, but the song was like a part of the persona of the 2022 Mets. Diaz, easily one of your most indispensable pieces. Now he's gone. That's a tough pill to swallow. And that's not a guy, despite Cohen's resources, willingness to win, whatever you want to call it, going to be tough to find an Edwin Diaz. How did the Mets move forward in that bullpen? That's going to be one of the very intriguing storylines right out of the gate starting off this season. And it's a devastating ball for Mets fans. Make no mistake. Now, far as what we had over the course of this Thursday, the NCAA tournament. The day started off with an absolute bang, and then it kind of ended with a monumental thug. I think that's really the best way to look at it. The game of the day, without hesitation, was Furman taking down Virginia. I was dead wrong on that game. Virginia was up by 12. They choked the game away. It looks like Virginia is going to hold on. They're up four. Key hit Cork, misses a free throw. Then they're up to Clark, who made one of the best passes in the Purdue game in the Elite Eight a couple of years ago. One of the best passes under pressure that you'll ever see in an NCAA tournament game. He made one of the worst passes you'll ever see in an NCAA tournament game. I mean, what was Kihei Clark thinking? You got a timeout, number one. Number two, you're not down in the game. You don't got to force the issue at that point. Furman hits the insane three. They end up winning the game. The other big takeaway you have from the afternoon slate, and I guess a little bit of a local tie-in, and I want to give my boy Lakata credit because we're doing you know our picks on sports night the other night, and Sal loves the Ivy League. He did Ivy League games, so you know it's a place near and dear in his heart. He gave out Princeton. You know what? Good for him. He nailed it. Good for freaking Princeton. If you had Arizona in your Final Four, Los Santos. Thankfully, this show did not. Our final four at least is alive going into day two, even though Houston did not look great and Sasser went down. And what that means for the remainder of the tournament, I have no idea. But I know our boy Stefan loved this because he's a big dookie. And I, full disclosure, am a big dookie as well for the next couple of weeks because I have a ticket in my hand for them to go win the national championship at a very juicy price. So much for trendy Oral Roberts going and winning the game outright. I mean, Duke basically said from the get-go, no freaking mercy. We're stomping on your throats. We're kicking your ass. And this game is going to be no contest. It was. And now Duke will take on Tennessee. Duke's favorite in that game. Rick Barnes and his tournament record. I mean, enough said. 
So I, I am cautiously optimistic my Duke ticket's going to have some legs. And then how about the Penn State Nittany Lions? And if you've been following us on the Ring of Gambling show, we have been riding the Penn State Nittany Lions game after game after game after game. And I know they're a big dog against Texas. I'll give a rat's ass. I'm taking them again. I am taking Penn State until they don't cover a spread. When you cover five in a row for me in tournament play, I honor. It's as simple as that. I honor. So I will honor again uh, with Penn State. We got a bunch of games coming up on Friday. UConn, Iona, Pacino, and the question of, obviously, this is going to be his last game at Iona. How competitive can they make it with UConn? Uh, I'm not sold that they can. I don't think they have answers for the size that UConn provides. Hurley and the UConn Huskies have to win this game. I can't stress that enough. They cannot lose again in the first round. And then the other thing you got to watch here, Patino to St. John's, Patino to Providence. If Ed Cooley maybe makes his way to Georgetown. A lot of moving parts here. Selfishly, we want storylines in town. Aaron Rodgers is here. Rick Patino at St. John's. That's scintillating. That's juicy for a program that has not been in the NCAA tournament in 22, 23 years as far as winning a game. They've been there, have not won a game since Mike Jarvis in the early 2000s. Let that sink in for a minute. So you got all that going on with the tournament. Decent first day, solid first day. Got off to a bang. You're hoping it's going to continue through the night slate. It did not. The night games were not very good. I mean, I'm not complaining because I got off to a bad start wagering-wise. And then I got off to a great start wagering-wise. And thank you, officials. San Diego State Charleston, if you had money on a game, and I did, that was one of those games where I'm just screaming, please, call a foul, call a foul, call a foul. They never call a foul with like two-tenths of a second left when a game is out of reach, like at that point. They never, ever, 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 ever call that foul. And the ref like didn't want to, he didn't want to, and then he called it. I'm like, thank you. And then he goes and hits the free throws. So if you had Charleston, I... uh I, I apologize. Los Siento. As far as the NBA this weekend, listen, I love that the NBA kind of has a light slate on Thursday and Friday. That's a good thing. Even if you don't like college basketball, too bad. It's the tournament. Let the tournament take center stage. Saturday is an intriguing game to me. And I'll be dialed in. I'll be at Borgata. Going down for mom's birthday, celebrating Kate's late birthday. So we'll have a nice 24 hours at the Gata. Nick's Nuggets, though, 1 o'clock. That's a nice game to have mono e mono with the tournament. Jokic, the Nuggets have not been as great the last week or so. West Coast team playing an early game on Saturday. And all things considered for the Knicks, they did a fantastic job weathering the storm the way that they did with Brunson out on this trip. To get the Laker win, to get the win against Portland, you would have signed for that on the dotted line. And you like it that much more that you were 0-2 on the trip and then you go and win the next two games. And how much fun is hard? I mean, you want to talk about a guy that is perfect for wearing a New York on his chest? Josh Hart is exactly that. I can't get enough of that guy. Can't believe the Syracuse guy is like falling in love with these Villanova players. Who would have saw that coming? Jalen Brunson, now Josh Hart. I, I, I can't get enough. Can't get enough. All right, let's take a couple of voicemails before we hit Connor Rogers, and then we'll have some fun with some trivia. I know Larry's ready for us. All right, let's hear it. 917-382-1151, by the way. Dun, 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 dun,
oh, that's just classic Mets. You're losing your closer in an exhibition game celebration. Now, I know the Yankees have had their issues over the years. We've had our injury problems. I haven't won since 09, but you can always count on the mess to have it worse than us. Thanks. Have a good one. See, that's messed up. You know what? I'm not mocking the Mets today. You want to mock the Mets and they lose in the playoffs, be my guest. That, that injury is, to be as insensitive and as cruel as that, it's a little messed up. Come on, you're better than that. Show some class. Show some dignity. Guys, celebrating. And the conversation that's being had right now about the WBC is a fair one. The timing of this event, even though it had nothing to do with the Edwin Diaz injury, is outrageous to me. This event should be played at the end of the year. Not before the start of the year. Now, this injury could have happened to anybody. He's jumping up and down like it's a freak injury. But your point is outrageous, number one. Sound like total dope. Number two, I'm not a WBC guy. I'm never going to be a WBC guy. I get it. It's better than spring training. Like, I didn't want any Yankees going. I really don't care about the event. I'm just, I'm not there. Opening day, I'll be there. Right now, I'm not there. I get it. It means a lot to a lot of these individuals from their respective countries. So I respect that. Should not be played in the middle of March when these guys are not ready to go. And Scherzer was talking about that the other day. He said, hey, my arm is not in shape to go and play postseason level type games. It's just not. Now, this Diaz injury, was that bad? Uh, no, of course not. But it heightens that concern I would have now moving forward. All right, let's take one more. Hey, John, it's Jake from Charlotte. Uh, just two things. Um, I hate being a Mets fan, and the World Baseball Classic is a waste of time, money, and energy. Um, now that I got that out of the way, um, Edwin Diaz is out for the year. Um, so I was just wondering, should I still even care to watch the team this year? Should I be even optimistic about them uh, doing anything? Or is this just a lost season and I should just try to avoid watching baseball this year? Um, all right, man. Thanks. Bye. Oh, what kind of attitude is that, Jake? What kind of attitude is that? That's, uh, come on. I know Edwin Diaz is great. I know he's one of your most valuable players. The Yankees won a division and made the ALCS with Mariano Rivera tearing his knee in May of that year. It's baseball. This is not Patrick Mahomes out for the year. This is not Tom Brady week one against Kansas City, uh, Bernard Pollard getting hurt, even though that year, let's be honest, not the best example. Patriots went 11-5 that year. So they found a way to compete. If the Mets are the team, I think they are, and most of you think that they are, they still should be able to go and be a playoff-caliber team, add to the team throughout the year, and go and challenge for a World Series. It's a blow. Let's acknowledge it's a major blow. It's not a season ender. Not on March the 17th. Absolutely not. So Connor Rogers is like Mr. Versatility. He's doing all the draft stuff, NFL stuff for NBC Sports. He does jet post game on SOI with Bart, Janae, and that game. Does a Mets podcast. So he's a big Mets jet guy. Perfect guy to have on. Fantasy right now is in depression. Fantasy will join us before the start of the season. Don't you worry. Uh, I was texting with him earlier today. Met Jeff Fain just can't have nice things at the same time. That's kind of what it boils down to. So, Connor Rogers, NBC Sports, SNY. Have some fun. Do some Mets and Jets coming up next.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Eventful week. It looks like Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. It's just a matter of compensation at this point. Uh, Jet fans and Met fans, though, Connor, cannot have nice news uh, on the same day as we welcome in Connor Rodgers. He's killing it. NBC Sports. He did the Jet, I guess, post-free agency show. I guess what what we're calling it these days. Is that accurate? Yeah, spot on. I actually got it right, so I'm proud of myself for that. Um, you thought it'd be a day of celebration. You know, you thought it would be, all right, the Mets and the Jets, they got it going at the same time. And then Edwin Diaz, of course, gets hurt celebrating at the WBC. You can't make it up, dude. You can't make it up. You can't have one day. And we got so close. What were we, an hour and a half from the day concluding? And I'm sitting there. I'm watching it. Uh, I watch, I feel like I watch Puerto Rico more than any other team because Lindor is the captain and Diaz is the closer and you love watching them play. And those are our guys. And, you know, even with Pete and McNeil being on Team USA and Diaz looks as good as he ever looks closing out the game. And all of a sudden, during the celebration, when those cameras pan over to him on the ground, it's your it's your biggest fear. It's your worst nightmare. So it's it's especially after a day like that, where I know so many people um, that grew up like myself, die hard Jet Met fans. And boy, I'm 31 years old. That time frame, we have been through it at this point where. It's just amazing on the greatest day for the Jets and how long it ends like that for the Mets. It's cruel. The good news, I guess, for the Mets, we've seen it with teams. I remember Mariano blew out his knee in Kansas City. Rafael Soriano comes out of nowhere and saves 40 That's games. Right. Yeah. The thing is, though, Connor, the Mets had such a leg up and such an advantage over everybody else in the National League. That was one of the major strengths to me going into the year. It's like, hey, Edwin Diaz is coming off the year of his life. He could go multiple outs. He's unbelievable. We have that over the Braves. We have that over the Phillies. We have that over the Dodgers. You give me the team. Now you don't have that. It's not that David Robertson, whoever, can't go and save 35 or 40 games, but you're not going to have the best closer in baseball. You're just not. That's exactly right. He's a weapon that I haven't seen uh, very often with this, the ability to strike out every single hitter at such a high rate. I mean, the K-9, when it gets near you know 20, it's just absolutely out of this world. So he's a weapon that Buck actually knew how to deploy as well. Diaz can also pitch the eighth inning when you have to get out of a jam or you have to go through the heart of the order, whatever it may be. And you're right, JJ, that everybody's zoning in on the loss of Diaz, which hurts, but great teams can overcome losing a really good, even elite closer the trickle effect is where it hurts. Robertson would have been an amazing eighth-inning guy. Now he's the ninth-inning guy. Is Rayleigh going to be healthy to start the season? Is Ottavino going to replicate how great he was last year? 
Realistically, probably not at this age. And then it goes on and on. You have to find arms all the way down to guys like John Curtis and Drew Smith to pitch in the sixth and seventh inning. And that's a scary place to be when you want to be not a competitive team, not a good team, but the best team in the National League. Okay, I know baseball season's right around the corner. And football season, we still got ways to go. We got to get through the spring. We got to get through the summer. (laughs) I know you're right about that. I mean, it it is 24-7, 365. But I mean, the actual games on the field, week one, we don't have a schedule yet. Who are you more excited about? The 2023 New York Mets or the 2023 New York Jets, assuming Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback? I can't believe how spoiled this sounds because this is the Mets team I've been dreaming of since I was a kid, right? Since the, the, even the heartbreak in 06, um, the surprise run in 15. I mean, this Mets team is full of stars. They're full of confidence and swag and money just dripping from every corner of the franchise. But it's the New York Jets because the Jets, when they are good and they are so rarely good in this era, it's unbelievable what they do to the town, how the fan base uh, gets galvanized by it, and the fact that even when they have been good in the last, what, 15 years, it's never because of the quarterback. We had the one bizarro Fitz year in 2015. Sanchez was carried by an elite defense and elite run game. If Aaron Rodgers, and it's all a, a, a safe assumption that he's going to be here, and he is still playing at an extremely high level, if he plays not like an MVP candidate, but a top seven quarterback in the NFL. And of course, there's a little bias for me because yeah, I do the Mets pod, but I'm a Mets fan. With the Jets being on pre and post game, covering a team that matters like that. When the Jets were hot this year, I've never experienced something like that in my entire career in sports. It was unbelievable going into the studio every Sunday morning and leaving late every Sunday night. Uh, and the fact that you throw Aaron Rodgers into the mix, it's, it's just going to be, in my opinion, something like we have not seen with this franchise. Well, it gives them serious pizzazz and star power. For somebody like me, Connor, I love it because the storylines are oozing. Aaron Rodgers is a future Hall of Famer, but there is the million-dollar question of his personality handling this New York market. There is the question of Rodgers at this stage in his career because I know he was hurt last year. I know rookie-wide receivers, the Packers screwed him. All all true, all fair. He wasn't as good as the MVP Aaron Rodgers. To me... The way I look at it, if he could be somewhere in the middle from what he was last year to what he was two years ago, I think the Jets are in great shape. Is that crazy to say if if he is somewhere in the middle to what he was in 2021 and 2022, the Jets got themselves a great, great situation, at least for a year or two? I think you're spot on. They, They and I guarantee that was the pitch plan when they flew out to see him. They're like, listen. You don't need to be Superman here. And if you want to be, sure, that's great. But here's what we got. We got the Offensive Rookie of the Year in Garrett Wilson. We got the other guy that would have been the Offensive Rookie of the Year in Brees Hall. We believe in Elijah Moore. We just need to get him a quarterback. We'll go out and pay your buddy Alan Lazard. We're going to retool the offensive line. We think we have a top five defense with the Defensive Rookie of the Year. So when you sell all those things to Rodgers, you look at it and go, okay, you know, most guys at this twilight of their career, they look at the Jets franchise and they would think never. But with what they've put out, what they've rolled out to him compared to what he was dealing with at the end of his Packers career, there's clearly a gigantic disconnect between him, him and Brian Gutekinds, the general manager. And it's, it's reared its ugly head in the light that we had not seen this public until this week on the McAfee show. So yeah, when you, when you dial all that in, um, it's, he doesn't need to be an MVP. He doesn't need to be the best quarterback in football. And I still think when healthy, Rodgers is still playing like this guy that is a top seven quarterback. 
with a different level of competence, a different level of professionalism for the team that they haven't had under center with all the young guys they've played and have struggled and have failed to develop. And when you look at him last year, I mean, still second and tied for second in the league in, in a metric PFF calls big time throws. Those are game changing throws. He was second in the league. When you look at turnover worthy plays, he had 16 JJ in over 500 dropbacks. Zach Wilson had 16 in like 240 dropbacks. It's just ins- that's it. That difference alone, a professional that takes care of the football will do wonders for Robert Salas Jets. All right, you're well connected. You, you're talking, you're at the senior ball, you're at the combine. That's why you're the man. That's why you're Connor Rogers. <laughs> so tell me, someone who is not there, as far as the compensation is concerned, because I, I think everybody's trying to figure that out. Look, it, it's not like the Jets are going to be giving up five first-round picks. We understand that. But do you think the holdup is one first-round pick? Is it multiple first-round picks? What are you hearing speculation, of course, about what the Jets and the Packers are trying to work out here over the next few days. I think the holdup is one concrete first-round pick. And what I mean by that is the Packers being guaranteed a first-round pick. And I think if you're the Jets, look at it from each side, right? If you're Green Bay, you're getting rid of a franchise legend. You've opted to move on to the new era in Jordan Love. You've done all these things. You're taking on uh, $40 million in dead money, whether that's split up. And if they do this trade after June 1, it'll be split up $15 million this year, $25 million in 2024. If they did the trade now before June 1, it's $40 million up front this year. But the Jets would still owe a $60 million signing bonus. So the Jets are looking at it and going, well, all this cash our ownership has to pay is the pa- have to pay. The Packers are looking at it and going, well, we're giving you a quarterback. You don't have any other answers. And we're eating $40 million in dead money. That's where the disconnect lies right now. And then when you get into the compensation, I think the Jets are looking at it. And don't mix it up. Aaron Rodgers is very involved in this. Aaron Rodgers cares about the compensation because he cares about the team that's going to be around him. I think the Jets are looking at it and going, we'll send you a day two pick for this draft that you can help your young quarterback. But the 2024 asset will also be a day two pick that can only become around one pick based on terms that protect us. Because when you look at Rodgers, he's an older quarterback. If you're Joe Douglas, you're assuming he's coming here for one year. You're not assuming he's coming here for two to three years because you have to operate that way with Rodgers. So the Jets are saying, here's the incentives that he needs to hit, or we need to make it to the Super Bowl, or we need to do this for that pick to become a first rounder in 2024. And that's why it will not be a 2023 first round pick. For anyone that thinks the Packers are getting the 13th overall pick, I would be floored because Joe Douglas is going to do everything he can to give himself insurance and protection. And that's the hang-up the teams have right now because the Packers want that guaranteed number one, even if it's down the road. Is there any way, Connor, Elijah Moore could be involved in that trade or you don't see it? From everything I've heard, no. And it's probably something the Packers would be highly interested in. I think if any Jets receiver goes back, it's going to be Corey Davis, who uh, they were going to move his money off the books anyway, free of charge. They already brought in his replacement in Lazard. I think the Packers regime likes Corey Davis, so maybe they take him in the deal. That's probably why he hasn't been cut yet, but we'll wait and see what that ends up being. But a cost-controlled wide receiver that has an untapped ceiling and really has been vocal that, you know, he didn't get along with the floor. He didn't have a rapport with Zach Wilson. And you know what? You can't really hold that against him. Both those guys struggled here in New York. So if they think they can get more out of Elijah Moore on a very cost-effective deal, they're going to do everything they can to hold on to him. I don't think he'll be in the deal. So. Jet fans have every reason to be fired up. Listen, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the team. They had Zach Wilson as the quarterback last <laughs> yeah. year. I, I, Joe I Flacco, totally get Chris it. Chris Trevler, Mike uh, White. 
I remember watching that Jaguar Jet game with you. What a disaster oh, that my was. God, I mean, that game set football back 10 zillion years. Here's, here's the overarching looming black cloud, though, that I think is hovering around not only the Jets, but basically every team in the AFC. This conference is loaded. Insane, Connor. dude. I mean, Insane. you look at the AFC and you look at the NFC. Like, if the Jets were in the NFC, I might say they're the third best team. I might say, hmm, maybe they're the second best team. Yeah. I don't know. In the AFC, I see Mahomes, who is the best player in football. I see Joe Burrow and the Bengals, who are unbelievable and made a great signing on the offensive line and know how to win in January. And then in the division, I mean, kind of the division, I'd make the argument, you got three playoff teams with Buffalo and then the Miami Dolphins who had Vic Fangio and they go and add Jalen Ramsey. So the Jets are in that conversation. The Jets can absolutely do damage, but it's not going to be easy, my friend. It is not going to be easy. I'll start right there with your Dolphins. I mean, I love everything they've done on the defensive side of the ball, from the hiring of Fangio uh, to signing linebacker David Long to a contract. Oh, you loved him on Twitter. I was fired up when I saw that Man, tweet. Man, he, he was one of, my, one of my favorite prospects that year that nobody really cared about. He goes and he overachieves for Tennessee. He's a free agent. He still gets, what, two-year, $11 million deal. That dude flies around and makes plays. Great signing. You get Ramsey because he wanted to be there for a third rounder. You're just paying him. I mean, the Dolphins' defense is loaded, and the defense was a problem last year, and now they get a well-respected a, a veteran defensive coordinator that's going to do wonders, uh, players that match his scheme. They have some younger talent as well in that defense that'll continue to grow. It's just really all about the health of their quarterbacks, Miami. If you get a healthy Tua, or even if Tua missed five games and Mike White can finally stay healthy, Mike White can operate Mike McDaniel's offense. He just, I loved him as a backup. The same. Thought he was the perfect yeah. backup for them, Connor. Perfect. It's perfect backup for them because the the success he's had is the same offensive verbiage he's going to with Mike McDaniel. So he'll be fine there with that weapon, uh, those weapons they have around him. You look at Buffalo. I, I mean, they got Poyer back on and Stephon Diggs are still amazing. I, I think they're a sleeper to add a weapon. I don't know if it'll be DeAndre Hopkins-esque, but do they look at B. John Robinson in the draft? They're going to continue to build that offensive line in the draft as well. Bean has been all over those guys. So the division's loaded. And, and then New England's still coached by Bill Belichick. Do I think the roster is borderline paper thin at this point? Yes, but they always hover around because of the coaching of Bill. And then that's getting, when you get out of the division, you brought up the Chiefs, of course. You brought up the Bengals, of course. What's going to happen with Lamar and the Ravens? We don't know, but even if you put that aside, Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence are only getting better. That's something people keep overlooking. Those teams are going to be really, really good soon. At least Jacksonville with the way they've been able to build that roster. But I think Herbert and the Chargers are in for a big year, too. So it's an arms race in the AFC. Defining success. I know it's an impossible question because, look, the Jets have not gone to the playoffs in a decade. They have not won a playoff game in a decade. So in theory, Connor, they go and win a playoff game next year and Rodgers has a quality season. You could say, in theory, it's a success. Some Jet fans are going to say, no, 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 no. I haven't won a Super Bowl in 50-something years. I haven't <laughs> been to a Super Bowl since Joe Willie Namath. That kind of defines success. I I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Where do you see it for the year or two? What defines success in the Aaron Rodgers tenure for the Jets? Well, it's like the simple step off the top, right? They could have the longest playoff drought in sports after this NBA season. So you got to break that which is a very, very low bar to clear. But I know internally they're obsessed with the thought of hosting a playoff game. That's something they've wanted forever. Like as a franchise, I know the business side and people at the top are obsessed with that idea. 
Dude, so they haven't that, done it in 20 years. It's insane. That Indianapolis game when they beat them, I think it was like 41 nothing with yeah. Pennington. Oh yes. my goodness, man. It's completely insane. Um, and I it's so funny. I remember being a kid and my dad coming home from that game because he had season tickets with my uncle. And like that, that's the last time they hosted a playoff game. I was a child, like a kid. So it's insane when you think of it like that. I think winning a playoff game. Obviously, making a conference championship, and a lot of Jeff fans won't agree with me on this. I think that still makes it a successful move because you got development out of the young players. You got respect, the, a great quarterback there. Uh, he opened the door for the franchise having respect again that they haven't had since Rex was here when veterans would go there to chase a ring. So I think just mattering. I know it's such a low bar, but the Jets mattering is is what's important to them. And then being competitive in the AFC, winning a playoff game, mattering in the chase for the conference title. I think that's borderline success. And if it's a low bar, so be it. But when you look at the last decade that they've had, that's a big difference. I'm right there with you. Final one, Giants. They add a playmaker. Now, can he stay on the field? Who the hell knows? But yeah. there wasn't a great free agent wide receiver. Uh, unless you're in the DeAndre Hopkins trade market, you know, there's not a lot of playmakers yeah. floating around. I think, Connor, all things considered, Joe Shane did the best he could getting a guy like Darren Waller. I love that move for the Giants. It's the perfect way to frame it. It's the best that he could do. If you looked at a different year, you'd be like, okay, there's a lot of risk here. He didn't play a lot last year. He's been banked up. He's on the wrong side of 30. He makes a lot of money. Then you go into it and look at the offseason. There weren't a lot of wide receivers available. He is a unique pass-catching weapon in the middle of the field as a tight end who could play off the line of scrimmage. It cost them a third-round pick that they got back in the kadarius Tony trade, which was not Joe Shane's pick. So he's just doing what he can with the assets that he got. I like the risk for the Giants. And I think if you're the Giants, you look at Daniel Jones' upside, but also limitations, JJ. You need big pass catchers in the middle of the field for Brian Dable's offense. That's what Daniel Jones needs right now. And Waller is perfect for that. So I like the move for the Giants. They did what they can. I think there's upside to this move. If you get one real Darren Waller year out of it, it was completely worth the price. Connor Rogers, man of many talents. He's got a podcast on SOI doing the Mets stuff. He's doing all the NFL stuff. He's doing jet post game. Dude, try try to, you like on my schedule now, try to get yeah, some sleep. Try I'm to get some more and more. I will tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, because you don't see the video right now. Connor's got like the McAfee look going. He's got the guns out. I feel like that's going to be, maybe that'll be your next uh, avenue. You know, you'll be doing you never the, know. Uh, the tank top podcast, bro. You never Listen, know. I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm at home. This is the best environment to just BS about all New York sports. So I love it, man. And you know, I always love talking to you. You're, you're phenomenal and a good friend. So it's always a blast. Good people. Dude, keep killing it. Uh, I'm going to get back to sweating out my NCAA tournament bets and try to get some sleep this weekend. Maybe a little R&R, &R, a couple of cocktails, and away you go, Connor. That's right, brother. All right, we'll talk soon. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. From Connor Rogers to trivia time. All right, Larry. All right, buddy. I'm ready for you. Even though my brain is probably a little fried from watching all these NCAA tournament games. Let's hear it, babe. Yo, Larry. Okay, Johnny. 
two leadoff hitters, hit 39 homers in a season, a major league record. Who are they? Question two. Who's the last pitcher in major, relief pitcher in major league baseball to lead the league in saves in back to back years? I'm out. Ooh. I'm going to go with the leadoff hitter question first because 39, you said it's two guys. One, Stefan, I'm pretty confident. Alfonso Soriano. I remember 2002 season was an absolute beast for the New York Yankees and just missed a 40-40 year. One other guy. 39 home runs. See, this is going to be tricky because I was very confident in Soriano. Very, very, very confident in Soriano. Stefan, is it Mike Trout? It is not Mike Trout. Okay. It's not Ricky. Ricky never hit 39 home runs. You got to think of guys who got major pop that hit at the top of the order. This is a tough question now. See, Soriano, I felt really good about. Now I'm like, where do I go? Where do I go? I'm taking one more guess, Stefan, before you give me a hint. Ryan Sandberg. Mm. All right, I need some help here because I don't even know where I'm going. This guy should be at your top of the game. One of the best leadoff hitters in baseball currently. Oh, he's a current leadoff hitter. Wow. Okay. That helps. That helps. So he's a current player. Best leadoff hitters. Trey Turner. Mm. Nah, I didn't hit for enough power. Mookie Betts. Mm. Oh, now I'm getting annoyed. Now I'm getting annoyed. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm. See, now I'm now I'm pissed off. Oh, I think I know. Ronald Acuna. Mm. Oh my god. National American League. This guy's in the American League. He's in the American League. George Springer. There we go. Tell me a while, Stefan. Probably a little too long for you, I can to be honest, but we got there. We got surprised there. you didn't go to George Springer that quick. I'm actually you know what surprised it is? You I was thinking, I, I was thinking National League guys for whatever the reason. I don't know why. I was just th- I was thinking National League guys, and that's how like I was just like spitting through, spitting through, spitting through. And hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles. All right, the last reliever now to lead baseball in saves back to back years. Tricky question, Francisco Rodriguez. Not K, not K Rock. Okay, Aroldis Chapman. Mm. All right, one more before we go to the hint department. Craig Kimbrell. Mm. See, that's the problem now with closers. It's very rare that the closer has the dominant year in back-to-back seasons and then goes and has a ton of saves. Tough. Hint time, Stefan. This guy will not be on the top of your brain, but I will tell you he did it in the last decade. 
on a AL East team. I'll give you two. Oh, that does help. AL East team within the last decade. AL East team. Zach Britton. Mm. Oh, man. I was so excited for that Zach Britton answer being the right one. I'm going to stay with the Orioles, Stefan. Jim Johnson. I'm proud of myself because that required a lot of persistence. Now, the decade hint helped. The AL East helped. If I don't get those hints, I don't get the question. Britain was the first name that came to mind. But you know what? Jim Johnson, remember, he saved a lot of games. And then blew that one in game three, 2012 American League Division Series. A-Rod to the bench. Abanez comes up, hits the home run. So, funny story with that game. That's my first year doing radio at FAM. I'm like a year into it. And this is the point in my career where, you know, I went from doing one show a week to a couple shows a week. They would give me more work. So I'm on, because remember, the Yankees were not on the radio station at the time. The Mets were. So when the Yankees played, hey, don't matter. You got to do a show. So I am on against the Yankees, which is torture, by the way. Torture. You're basically talking to yourself. You're doing play-by-play as the game's going on. You don't want to do anything else because all you care about is the Yankee playoff game. Terrible, terrible situation. But I almost like, Blew a gasket when he sent up a Banyas to hit A-Rod. And I loved that. I was like, Joe is showing major stones here. This takes a lot of balls. Pinch hitting for Alex Rodriguez. And then Abanez hits the home run. I mean, it was like one of those moments you thought was going to define Joe Girardi's career. I think it's one of the best moments of his career as a manager. Without a doubt. And, of course, all the good vibes of that series went right out the window when Derek Jeter fractured his ankle in game one. I was at that game as well. And never in my life did you go from, like, the, well, the LeMayu game was similar because he hit the home run and Altuve walked it off like 10 minutes later. That Tiger game, they were down four runs. They came storming back. Abanez again against Valverde ties it. You know, like, holy shit. Here we go. Extra innings, they can't score back and forth. But when Jeter's ankle snapped and he couldn't get up and he couldn't walk off the field, that series was over. Over, 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 over. Like, it was right then and there. I'm like, yeah, they're dead. That was one of the toughest days ever being at Yankee Stadium for me. That game won 2012 ALCS. So that's a weird little tangent, but you never know what you get sometimes with trivia. Anyway, before we say goodbye, Money Man, Friday. Let's hear it, babe. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. It'll be for Friday the 17th. We got all the NCAA picks. We got four plays. Started out. My first play, I'm going to go with Miami minus the one and a half over Drake. I'm going to take Kent State plus the four and a half over Indiana. I'm going to go with Kentucky minus the four and a half over Providence. And I'm going to go with UC Santa Barbara plus the ten and a half over Baylor. Again, we got four plays. I'm going with Miami minus the one and a half. Going to go with Kent State plus the four and a half. Going to go with Kentucky minus the four and a half. And going to go with UC Santa Barbara plus the ten and a half. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Wow, Jeff Money. Let's make it four for four because I'm riding every single one of those plays. I like Miami. Everybody and their mother is on Drake. 
Uh, I'm going to ride the Gauchos with you. I like Kent State. The only one I would add, the only one I would add, I like Creighton tomorrow against NC State. I will be on Creighton tomorrow. I will be on UConn tomorrow. I like Kentucky tomorrow. Got no problem with that. I also like Florida Atlantic. I think Memphis would beat Purdue if they play. I think that line moving from two and a half to one and a half and all the tickets coming in on Memphis, Florida Atlantic is to play in that game. So I will absolutely be on FAU. I haven't seen them play once. I'll be the first to admit that. Line says FAU. Got bet numbers, folks. More often than not, we'll do you right. Not wrong. Great job by Stefan. This has been a crazy week. I appreciate all you guys. The patience, the Twitter spaces, the support, the love. Ton of fun. We'll be back Sunday after the round of 32 concludes. We'll have some Nick basketball to react to. We'll see what other loose ends are tied up in NFL free agency, if there's another big move or two. And we're getting that much closer to the start of the 2023 Major League Baseball season. Sadly, without Edwin Diaz. Enjoy your weekend. Happy St. Patty's Day. Happy birthday, Kate. Happy birthday, Mom. Love you both. On that note, JJ out. Be good, everybody.